everybody, and welcome back to Brewer Screw to Commander Deck Building Podcast. I am your host, Cody, alongside my best friend, Laz. How you doing, Laz? Wait, I've been upgraded? You have been upgraded. Son of a bitch. Hey, I how's it going, house. So, lots of people sleep in my house, with or without my knowledge, you know? That's, you should probably talk to somebody about that. It's, it's I need to buy a, a lock. If probably so. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, How you been, man? I've been good. I, uh. I know we've chatted here and there, but this is our first podcast that we're recording in this style in a while. I even the last podcast we did, the uh, end of year review was mm-hmm. was what over a month ago at this point. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I was, uh, it was almost a month because I was up there the last week of January, and we're about almost end of February here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah, it's just I mean, I've been moving, and then life has been getting in the way. Of everything, uh, the move took a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Uh, you know, like I, I guess in my head I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm just gonna move in and we'll get everything set up." And it's like, "Oh hey, you know, putting in trim takes longer. Uh, building a desk takes six hours because I bought an industrial office desk that is really nice now that I have built it. But in the process, I wanted to throw it at the wall and break <laughs> it. So." Well, I remember when I was building my computer desk, I had to stop halfway through to tend to my wounds because as I was building it, my daughter, for some reason, decided, hey, I'm going to try to jump over the table as I was doing it. And she landed right on it and it squished my finger and it Ooh. popped like a like a berry. I got pictures. It literally she she jumped on it and it squeezed it sideways and it all shot out the the front of it. I had like a oh. inch and a half long gash just on my fingertip of my middle finger. Yeah. So that oh, was that sounds so painful. It was very painful and it scared the hell out of her because I was trying to like no sell it. I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, are you okay? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And then like I had my hand against my chest and like I kind of like just moved it to peek out and. No exaggeration, like a handful of blood came out. <laughs> like, oh, God. Like it was just like someone poured a cup of blood all over my shirt and shorts. I'm like, I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's ketchup. It's ketchup, I swear. <laughs> She's crying. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, no. That's so sad. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's a, that was fun. But yeah, no, six hours to build an industrial strength desk sounds fun too. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Um, all to try to get us to play magic that night. And then we ended up not playing magic that night. And the next day was the Super Bowl. Yeah. Couldn't play Magic that night either. Cody texts at like 5 o'clock on Super Bowl Sunday like, hey, want to play Magic in a bit? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, good one. He's like, what? Like, Super Bowl's in an hour, man. No. No one's playing Magic. No one watches football. Come on. Everyone watches football. It's the best. Uh, Taylor Swift's team won, didn't they? Yeah. I didn't get as many views as the video game awards, I know, but uh, people still still like to watch the <laughs> Super Bowl. Our going to hate that comment, goddammit. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while since we recorded. Um, Last time I recorded, Corey was in been person. Like really crazy. Oh, it's yeah, crazy. yeah. It was. Well, been crazy since you left because you kind of. You coming up was your final hurrah before uh, having to like finish packing, having to finish moving, setting everything up. So, I yeah, think I we uh, only played once since then. Yeah, I so I played on a stream, um, and then yeah, we played once the other day. And let's see, I played. Uh, oh 
Oh man, who did I play? Oh, he I played, played a mono um, green. Yeah, I I had made Madeline, my my girlfriend, a mono green elf deck uh, helmed by Marwin, the nurturer, a long time ago. And when I moved back in, I saw it on the counter and I was like, oh, next time we play, I'm going to play this. And so I played that. Laz, you played... Sadar Jabari. Sadar Jabari, because we traded decks. Um, you're playing Sadar now, and I'm playing Volo now. Yeah, we swapped last, last time when you came up, because... Uh, Volo is is a lot of words and a lot of triggers and stuff like that, and so I love it. Yeah, Cody is like he played it twice and won. I think one of the times. Two of the I think times. I played like four or five times. Yeah, I won. One I of remember them. I you playing like, it once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Um, yeah, and I was like, you just build your own Volo deck. I'm, I don't play it that much, so just build your own, and I won't play mine anymore. Has or if you know what, even if I do play it, it probably won't be for a while. So yeah. you did that, and I I uh, built the precon up. I bought some upgrades for. Yeah, what set was that even? The Sadar uh, Jabari, March of the Machine. Yeah, the guy yeah. with Eminence, the uh, Esper Eminence knights. guy for the Knights. Yeah, and that was good. I almost won, except someone was salty at the table and focused me <laughs> down meanly. Swung a one-one elf that magically became a nineteen-nineteen elf out of nowhere because of some combat tricks. It's a and good killed deck. Me first I for no reason. That was one of like the second or third deck I ever built. It did pretty well. Then we played. You played Giada. And yeah, I played exactly. Raphael. Is that who you played? Was, yeah, it was just the worst <laughs> night of Raphael I think I've ever had with it. I was mana screwed, and every time my commander came out. Someone over here exiled it with the 9 million white uh, exile effects that there are in that deck. I dominated that game. You Absolutely did. dominated the game. Got out to an early start. I took out the biggest threat at the table, which is our friend Nick. And then <laughs> yeah, Nick, kind of, Nick's trying to fucking play a new deck, and he's just like going through stuff. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I wasn't having it. He Not did today. This, he did a shenanigans the game before. Mm. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I took him out, and then it was just Cody and... And uh, another guy in our pod playing Nekisar. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm not too scared of the Nekisar deck. But Cody, I want to keep Raphael in check. And yeah. so I think it was, what, three turns in a row that you played? Or the three times in a row you played them and I just immediately exiled or got rid of them? I think it was, it was two, I think. I played them originally. You went to exile it. It got countered. That's right. And then you countered, you went and exiled it again. And I was like, well, I'm sad this game. I was already at like four health. Like, there's no way I was coming back. Like, you know. Yeah, it was a rough one. It was like probably the worst showing for that deck I've ever had. And I was just sitting there like, and that was probably one of your best Giada games ever because you were just fucking. It was mid, pretty mid Giada game. Giada goes off sometimes. Shittiest smirk on your mouth, you piece of shit. Even when you came up, though, and I played Giada, you're like, oh, wow, I've never seen Giada go off that fast. It was like, nah, Giada. She can do things. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's a strong she, commander. Yeah, She's broken. I can't wait for a different angel commander just because I hate playing, a, you know, like the Meta top. deck. Yeah, the top commander for angels. But yeah. She's just really good and really cheap. I love cheap commanders. Yeah. Speaking of which. Speaking of which, we're here to talk about some magic. But first, 
we have to talk about some news. Uh, so if you remember last episode where we talked about our future plans, we talked about some YouTube content, some TikTok content. Well, I kicked that off. We started doing some pack openings. Um, I opened up a pack, a collector booster pack of a Murders of Karloff Manor. Uh, so that is up on YouTube and TikTok. You'll be able to find a link in our description. Uh, if you want to go find it, though, our TikTok is MTG, and I think our YouTube is also MTG. But like I said, the link will be down in the description. Um, so yeah, expanding the socials, trying to get more stuff out there so you guys can see all the cool stuff we're doing. Um, learning to edit YouTube videos is fun again because mm-hmm. it's been a while, but also realizing all the work that goes into it is crazy. So make sure you support those that you enjoy on on there because goddamn did they put in a lot of work apparently i have a lot of now high praise for like mtg mutsta and other people who do this kind of content it's really insane the amount of work they probably put in yeah i don't get any of it i'm like just zoom in on everyone's board and <laughs> yeah. the switches turns and you're like that is so much work to do I, yeah i don't know i've i've never opened up a piece of editing software in my life i think so i used to do like the bare minimum back in the day and so i was like when I was doing like Overwatch videos, and so like it's a, it's a, I'm trying to do more, and I'm like, I'm like, oh man, this is this is gonna be a process. Um, I also have a new shirt and design up on the merch store. Uh, we have a new logo going into this new year. It's got like a little oozy kind of effect that Laz wanted done, so I threw it together, and I like the way it looks. I think it looks good. It's very sexy. I like it very, very much. Sexy. It looks great on the sticker. Yeah, it's, uh, it's some good shit. So. Definitely yeah. check that out. But now, for what people are really here to hear us talk about, the deck of the month. Kicking off year two of Brutus Screw It. As you remember, I talked about I want to start doing more three color. I want to try new things. So I'm kicking off three color month with The Menu, starring Rocco Street Chef. Now, The Menu, one of my favorite movies. Have you seen it? No, I have not. Fair. You have children. I would not watch this movie with children. It's very very fucked up is it is um, a star-studded cast it seems like it wouldn't be that messed up oh no there is it goes places it is um we literally had to stop the movie so madeline could go google what happened because she was so like traumatized of what was happening <laughs> yeah it, it, I, mean, I love it it's a good movie um but yeah rocco street chef is a naya commander it's a red green white for a legendary creature elf druid and at the beginning of your end step, each player exiles a top card of their library. And until the end of my next end step, each player may play that card that they exiled this way. And the second effect is whenever a player plays a land from exile or casts a spell from exile, I put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature and create a food token. A food token is a artifact that says pay to tap it, sack this artifact, you gain three life. And there are two four. So, like, a really good stat line. Like, a 2-4 is a pretty decent blocker for three mana. Very good stat line. And uh, my segue that you interrupted before, you know, is the fact that, no, it, I love uh, I love cheap commanders. I love commanders yeah. that you can get out, you know, early and for the most part get out often, too. You know, even if he's killed fairly quickly, then he's a five-cost mana, which, you know, isn't really crazy. So, a three-cost yeah. Commander, that's a two four, and then it has good effects too. I, I really like this commander, and I uh, I like what you threw together here too. So can't wait to talk about it, to discuss it. Yeah. So if you know, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that Faldorn is like one of my favorite decks. But lately, I've been feeling that like Faldorn is missing something. Um, wins, wins. 
And then also, like, <laughs> I feel like that deck was, like, going, like, a bunch of different places. And, like, I really wanted to just make wolf tokens. But, like, the, really that deck is more about exiling. And, like, mm-hmm. there was a bunch of, like, ways to ping people and things like that. And I was like, okay, like, I just I need to, like, take a step back and rethink this. And I was just kind of flipping through ADA track. And I saw Rocco Street Chef, and I was like, oh, this is a really cool idea. It also gives me another color, which gives me more options for stuff. And I get to put Faldorn in the deck. Um, and it also, like, does a little bit, like, group hugging and stuff because, like, it's giving people cards and, like, there's the plus one, plus one counter and food strategy aspect of it. The versatility. It's, it's got a lot of different ways you can go. It's a Swiss Army knife, I think, is what I've seen a lot of people call it because mm. you can go really anywhere with it. And, like, I think, like, you know, at the end of the day, Faldoran, like, I wanted to make wolf tokens. Well, maybe to make wolf tokens or play wolves, I should just go make a werewolf or wolf deck and let this be the play from exile, make food, get plus one, plus one counters, get payoffs from playing stuff from exile. Um, So, yeah, that's what what I did here. I I put it together. I played it, tested it a couple times. I really like it. Um, So, like... I found that, you know, I don't see a reason for people not to play the stuff they exile, you know, because mm-hmm. either they're going to lose it or it's just like if I if everyone exiles a land, okay, hey, there's a free land for you to play and I get a benefit out of it. No, there's also like someone, like I said, I, I see this deck being one of those ones where like our, in our pod, Nick. Being like, hey, no one play their stuff from Exile. He gets way too much benefit out of it. I don't. I but, don't think it's going to be like that because, you know, like you said, you get benefit from it. You get the one-one counter, and you get a food token. But at the end of the day, a one-one counter and a food token isn't winning you the game. That's not going to yeah. bust the game wide open. So I kind of like that this has the everyone exile the top card of the deck effect, but you still have the option of playing it. Granted, it's, you know, you only have one turn to play it now, and yeah, it'll suck if, you know, you the card exiles a eight-mana card or something because then you pretty much are just losing it. But, yeah. you know, I think this is uh, better than you had built that Atali deck at one point, oh, yeah. and, you know, it, it feels bad. You know, I understand milling. Realistically, it's not that strong. But it's just annoying. It's just, mm-hmm. it's annoying to take cards that you were about to play or seeing what you were about to get and then losing it. Yeah. Um, that's my my feeling at least, too. So, you know, the Atali effect of exiling the top card, yeah, that sucks. But then that even if you cast it or don't cast it, it's gone. Whereas this, at least I have the option of playing it. You know, hopefully, like you said, if it's a land, I'll play it. If it's a cheaper spell... You know, I at least I'll have the chance to play it. So it's kind of a nicer take on the uh, on you know playing cards from exile type of a play style there. So I, I appreciate it. So yeah, there's a lot of payoffs in this deck. I mean, um, so like I took pretty much a lot of the shell of my Faldorn deck and put a lot of the cards that are in there that I really enjoy. And but then also now I get to ask to really mess around with like food stuff such as staple of any deck making an artifact token academy manufacturer mm-hmm. so if you, it's a three mana artifact creature if you create a clue food or treasure token instead you create one of each of those so in theory if someone plays their exile card i'm getting like 12 
artifacts on the field out of nowhere, um, which leads into payoffs such as Reckless Fireweaver, which is one in the red for a human artificer. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to each opponent. So out of nowhere, suddenly, like, people were getting pinged for a lot of damage, and, like, that leads to, like, kind of a good, like, kind of burn people to death strategy with that. <laughs> but then also there's banquet guests from the Lord of the Rings pre-cons. Uh, X, green, white, for a halfling citizen, has affinity for food, so it costs one less cast for each food I control, has trample, it enters with twice X plus one plus one counters on it, which is like, that's a lot. That's fantastic. Yeah. And you can pay two mana, sack of food, it gets indestructible until the turn. So we're already going to have those food tokens. We're going to have a huge, like, trampley beater because it has affinity. We're going to have affinity, so that's really good. Um, Paragon took. If one or more tokens would be created under control, those tokens plus an additional food token are created instead. And then you can sack three foods to draw a card. So there's a lot of, like, yeah, my commander's making food, but I also have, like, Gilded Goose, um... Samwise Gamgee, like ways to make food that like this is gonna really trigger a lot. So I liked it too because uh, it's funny because as you were, you know, you sent over the deck and I was going through it. I was like, you know what, this is Feldorn with white, and you didn't tell me, you know, you didn't say that you're gonna be taking apart Feldorn. I know you had mentioned that you were kind of displeased with it, but. You know, it kind of didn't really go much into it. And then once I saw this, I'm like, okay, so it's it's the Feldorn deck. And then there's some some whites, you know, some white cards in there. And I really appreciate that because it made it much easier for me to kind of make some <laughs> some ads and edits and stuff like that. Because, you know, you have the exile part of this deck down, you know, because mm. Feldorn was, was all about that. Um, you know, for people don't know off the top of their head, Feldorn... Uh, whenever you cast a spell from exile or a land enters the battlefield under your control from exile, create a 2-2 green wolf creature token. So you have an entire, uh, you know, a, a skeleton of an exile deck here, pretty much, and then yeah. able to kind of just fill it in with whatever direction you want to go, whether it's burn or whether it's food or or what, whatever the case is. And the direction I decided to take it in was food. So... <laughs> You know, we'll, and we'll go through some of the cards that I add and stuff. We'll, we'll talk about some of your favorite cards still too, but yeah. uh, but that's kind of uh, I, I liked the open endedness of the commander and and how we're kind of able to just say, all right, you know, the exile effect is something that we're going to be using, but we can kind of flesh out some other parts to really make the stack do what we want it to do. Yeah, because like I didn't feel like the plus one plus one counter stuff was like that strong. I do have a couple payoffs, like I have Kami of Whispered Hopes which is a two generic and a green for a spirit. If one or more plus one plus one counters are put on a permanent, you put that plus one on it. Then you can tap it for add X mana of one color where X is coming a whispered host power. So it's, you know, obviously I'd put the one one counters on it. It would get two one one counters. You tap it for X mana, uh, as well as Dust Legion Duelist, which is a one in the white for a vampire soldier with vigilance. And whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put on it, you draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. So like things like that. Like, you know, I I didn't really want to focus too much on the plus one plus one counter 
uh, mm-hmm. synergy. I know, like, we looked at, like, Shalai and Halar as an ad, but, like, it wasn't something I was really feeling. Um, I'm sure that's a way you can go with this deck, but just wasn't what I was really looking for. I, I did take out Dusk Legion Duelist. Totally fair. Um, <laughs> but also, like, I, I, you know, there are cards that, like, I've been looking at for a long time for Valdorn that, like... I now get to play in this because I feel like it fits better. Did you have like professional face breaker and stuff like that in Faldor? I don't, I don't think you had I that. Do I think I do? Did I have you? professional face breaker um, because it has a sacrifice treasure exile top card of your library. You can play this card this turn. Although I didn't really use that effect too much. I think I did it once, just kind of like trying to dig for answers to like someone's like crazy board, but like. Plarg and Nasari was a new card that came out in Aftermath, which is the same set that Rocco came out in. Uh, this is three generic, two red for a Orc Efreet. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent exiles from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card. An opponent chooses a non-land card exile this way. You may cast up to two spells from among the other cards exile this way without paying their mana cost. Ridiculous. Very strong. Um, and there's a card that, like, I don't know, like, I... Just never like felt like I could cut something in Faldorn to put this in, but like in this, like I'm already people are already exiling stuff that I'm like, okay, like let's add this. I think it could be a fun payoff. The inclusion of white is like the biggest thing because there are some cool cards that like I've been wanting to play, and I'm just like I can't do it in Gruel, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I got mine right off the bat of white helping you here. What you got, uh, Commander Liara Porter? Yep. That is a uh, that's a card I run in my Neali deck, the uh, the precon Boros uh, kind of like tokens deck there, and it's just so much fun. It's let's see, it's three colorless, a red and a white. Whenever you attack, spells you cast from exile this turn cost X less to cast, where X is the number of players being attacked. Exile the top X cards of your library until end of turn. You may cast spells from among those exiled cards. So, one, this is great because now what you're playing from your own exile is going to be so much cheaper. It's going to be three cheaper at this point is, uh, you know, if you attack everybody and if you have a lot of these kind of little little tokens that you make here and there, you'll be able to at least send something to everybody. So er, your exile cards are going to be cheaper, but that's still just a very strong card with a very strong effect. Yeah. So, yeah, this is definitely one I've, like, looked at for a while. And same with... um PNLR, Console Revival, which is just mm. a, a red and a white uh, for human artificers. Dopters you control have haste. Whenever you play a land from exile or cast a spell from exile, you create a 1 1 color Dopter artifact creature token with flying. And there are 2 3. 1 1 flyers don't really mean a lot until you can start pumping them up. And then I know when you have like 20 little Thopters because you've been playing lands and other cheap cards from exile, out of nowhere, the army of Thopters is really scary. So that's, that's another one that adding white definitely helps here and then one that like i'm not a big doctor who person but like the war doctor seems like a menace uh this is too generic red and white for a time lord doctor whenever one or more other permanents phase out and whenever one or more other cards are put into exile from anywhere you put a time counter on the war doctor whenever the war doctor attacks it deals damage equal to the number of time counters on it to any target if a creature dealt damage, they would die this turn exile instead. And it's a three five. So like this effect on like Plargan Asari where it says like exile they exile cards until they exile a non-land card. Mm-hmm. 
each card that enters exile would put a plus one plus or put a time counter on the war doctor. And then when it attacks, it would like ping people for how many time counters are on it. Yeah, it's free damage. It's it's literally free damage for doing what your deck is gonna be doing anyway. So that's uh it's hard to beat that. You know, it's just that's cool. And you know, there's just uh, there was a lot of uh, Doctor Who cards. There's also a lot of the Lord of the Ring cards, too, that yeah. just either had the exile effects or have the food token effects. And, you know, those, those kind of just really helped. Was this Rose and Codden, Rosie Cotton of South Lane. And when she enters the battlefield, create a food token. And whenever you create the token, put a 1-1 counter on target creature you control other than Rosie. So if you have turns where you're making multiple food tokens and you're just... Kind of pumping up your, pumping yeah. up your board or pumping up your commander or wherever you choose to go with that. It's a uh, can kind of get out of the hand pretty quickly, and yeah. it's it's fun because I don't know. I tried to. I love life game. I have a lot of life game decks. I've tried a lot of different archetypes, and one of which I tried food tokens. In my opinion, food tokens kind of suck. They're kind of <laughs> like blood tokens, but. Um, getting the value from making the, the food tokens is definitely something that yeah you know, I, I saw able to be done in this deck where you don't necessarily have to be using the food tokens to get the benefit of making food tokens. And yeah. uh, that's, that'll be fun. I think that'd be fun to see. Well, I want to talk about just a couple of, like favorite cards in the deck. Creature-wise, I mean, the Tali Primal Conqueror, the one that you, when you just play it, you start exiling stuff is really good. Uh, it's this five generic red red for an elder dinosaur trample on Italian primal conquer instead of just battlefield each player exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non-land card you may cast any number of spells from among the non-land cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs and then nine and a phyrexian green transform Italian activate only as a sorcery and on the back side it is a phyrexian elder dinosaur with trample indestructible and whenever Tali Primal Sickness deals combat damage to a player, they get that many poison counters. And it's an 11-11. Backside, not that important. I don't feel like I've ever really cast it like that. I, it's really mainly 7 mana. Everyone flips cards. Gets something cool to play. I love this little showcase art where it's like a it looks like a Power Ranger coin to me. Yeah, I don't know where they're going with that, the medallion, but it's I don't, still cool. Yeah, I don't know. And then they went, they went away with it because, like, this is from Ixalan. They didn't, like, do that for the Ixalan set. So I was like, okay, well, what was the point of this? Next up, Reckless Fire Weaver. I just, you know, I like the idea of just, like, free damage because we're playing cards from Exile and making food tokens. Same with Ingenious Artillerist. Whenever one, it's a two and a red for a human artificer. Whenever one or more artifacts enters the battlefield under control, and genius artillerist deals that much damage to each opponent. Same effect, just a little bit more mana. And it's also just like benefits from like if Academy manufacturers out and all three hit the ground at one time, you're hitting for three. So really good. Yeah, well, and that that works out really well too if you have Samwise Gamgee out as well. Whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under control, create a food token. Creating food tokens, if you have the Academy Manufacturer out, you got something like that, you're just, you're making a lot of tokens every time, so that's, you got lots of tokens. Lots and lots of tokens. And the last up for creatures is a new card. It's Aerial Extortionist. Three generic white-white for a bird soldier with flying. Whenever it ETBs or deals combat damage to a player, exile up to one target non-land permanent. For as long as that card remains in exile, its owner may cast it. 
Whenever another player casts a spell from anywhere other than their hand, draw a card, and it's a 4-3. So, like, a little bit of removal, but, like, also, like, you're still getting a benefit from the take. You know, say you rem- say you swing at this guy, exile something, and the person replays it, you get a card out of it. So, it's you're still getting... And also, Rocco would trigger. Mm-hmm. So, and flying 4-3, it's a pretty good blocker, pretty good attacker, so... I don't know. I like this card a lot. I think it's a really neat uh, card that came out in the most recent set. Um, I'll, I'll just bring up one more creature before you go to the next one, which is the... Uh, man, I don't even know how to pronounce it. What is it? The Talincali Hunter? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you even pronounce that? T-L-I-N-C-A-L-L-I. Either way. Talincali? Something like that? Talincali Hunter. Five colorless, green and a green. For a 7-7 Scorpion Scout with Trample, but then it has once each turn, so it's not even on your turn, just once each turn you may pay zero rather than pay the mana cost for a creature spell you cast from exile. That Very is good. that is awesome. If you just yeah. being able to cast some of this stuff for free as well. So that's, uh, that's kind of a cool card that I haven't seen before. Yeah. And it also has the adventure side where it's uh, one of the green to retreat prey. You can exile target creature card from your graveyard until the end of your next turn you may cast that card. So say you got to discard something to like a wheel or something like that and you really want that card back, you can two mana, drop this, and then if you can pay seven the next turn, you can play that card for free technically. So pretty strong. Yeah. yeah I like this card. That's cool. This is, this is in Faldorn. Um. As far as sorceries go, um, this is a card I never really got to talk about, but Surge to Victory. It's a four generic red-red for a sorcery. Exile target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard. Creatures you control get plus X, plus O until end of turn where X is that card's mana value. Whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player this turn, copy the exiled card. You may cast a copy without paying its mana cost. Um... So a big spell that I love, it's an instant, it's Delayed Blast Fireball, mm-hmm. um, which is one red-red, and if you cast it normally, it deals two damage to each opponent, each creature they control, but if it's ever cast from exile, you deal five damage to each opponent, each creature they control, and it has Foretell. Yeah, but the big thing that's is, a cool card. If this is in the graveyard and you pay Surge of Victory, you can give everything plus three, plus O. Oh, and then if any of those creatures get through, you get to play free copies of Delayed Blast Fireball and it's five damage over and over hitting. And so, like, I haven't got to do it yet. I came close to at a Command Fest being able to do this, but that's a dream, is, like, just hitting, being able to hit that combo. But also, like, there's some costly spells in this deck. I mean, Call Forth the Tempest is eight mana. Give everything plus eight plus O is pretty strong. Escape to the Wilds is five mana. Blasphemous Act is nine mana. So you may play it for one mana, but you can turn around and give everything plus nine, plus O, and swing for the fences. It's pretty strong. Yeah, it's very cool. It's a, it's a good effect that you'll be able to get. Staple of Haldoran is Ignite the Future. It's a three generic and a red. Exile the top three cards of your library until the end of your turn. You may play those cards. If this spell is cast from a graveyard, you may play these cards without paying their mana costs. And it is flashback for eight mana. Um, I mean, eight mana is really costly, but being able to play three cards without having to pay their mana is pretty strong. So I like this card a lot. 
this uh this made the cut from Faldor, and I had a cut a couple of my places <laughs> from Exile. Well, and you get to play it twice, so it's yeah. it's cool. Yeah, you know, flashback eight is definitely costly, but it's your second time doing it. You yeah. know, it's the second time getting the effect, so absolutely worth it. Instance, nothing really that sexy in here. Uh, card I know you hate, but I love Bolt Bend because it's a very cheap version of deflecting mm-hmm. slot. And, you know, every now and then, commanders draw the ire or powerful creatures draw the ire of somebody. And if you can Bolt Bend and change the target of something. I've actually used this spell. Uh, I played against a jury, something at the review. Master of the review. Master of the review. Where, like, when they get sacrificed, they deal that the damage of jury to people. I redirected the sacrifice effect to a different creature. And so the person didn't get to, like, ping me for 20 because jury was, like, pumped up. So, I, I don't know. I like this card for, like, kind of shenanigans like that. I know you're not a big fan. Well, you're uh, you're in three color here, so just play Deflecting Palm instead, you know? I thought about it. There actually is a new one. Um, oh, I wish I had it in front of me. It is from, uh, it's called Take the Bait mm-hmm. that I was actually looking at because I think it's a really strong. We'll that's, in the new, uh, that's in the newest pre-con, right? Yeah. For the, uh, was it the Murders to Karlov Manor? Yeah. Was it Murders those pre-cons? Yeah, it's in the pre-con. It's uh, Take the Bait. It's too generic, red and white for an instant. Cast this spell only during an opponent's turn and only during combat. You prevent all combat damage that we dealt to you and Planeswalkers you control. Untap all attacking creatures and goad them. After this phase, there is an additional combat phase. This is a card that I've been looking at lately, and I'm like, I'm in Naya. I could play this. Yeah. Could be really strong. Absolutely, um, you can. So that might be a might be a card I add to this deck. Yeah, take out Bolt Bend and put in that or Deflecting Palm so. or something. Maybe so. Maybe so. Talked about Delay Blast Fireball. Really fun. Artifacts-wise... I'm a, I love this card. It's Idol of Oblivion. Mm-hmm. It's uh, too generic for an artifact. You tap it to draw a card. Activate only if you create a token this turn. This counts food tokens. This counts wolf tokens, doctor tokens. So really good. Uh, the secondary effect I probably would never use is uh, eight mana, tap it, sacrifice it, create a 10-10 colorless Eldrazi creature token. Not a, not a really thing. I, I just really would use it for the card draw. Yeah, it's free card draw because you're creating either a treasure token, food token, or some type of animal, you know, creature token. So you're, uh, you're getting to draw an extra card. Fantastic. Uh, inspired Statuary. It's a three generic artifact. Non-artifact spells you cast have Improvise, which means that your artifacts can help cast this spell. Each artifact you tap... After you've done activating mana abilities, pays for one generic mana. So this just pretty much makes all these food tokens we're making into like useful. mini mana rocks. <laughs> yeah, useful in case you know you could you could sit there and um, not use that life. You can start using them for mana. So yeah, uh, really that's strong. that's what I would do. You know, like if there was an option for, you know what, that's the. Uh, that's probably the type of thing that you can put to replace blood tokens. Blood tokens for like another type of token that I was excited to see. And then <laughs> it came out. I was like, oh, that sucks. All right, I won't use those. But, you know, some a car like this, and at least you're getting value from, from making all those, you know, quote-unquote useless tokens. Yeah, you know, now you're able to kind of use that to, to convoke, which is really cool. So, uh, yeah, really strong. 
last artifact I'll talk about is one of my favorites. It's Wand of Wonder. It's just three generic and a red. It's an artifact that says, pay four, tap it, roll a d20. Each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile an incident or sorcery, then shuffle the rest into their library. You may cast up to X incident or sorcery spells from among the exiled cards this way without paying their mana cost. Hmm. And so the result of the d20 is if you have a one to nine, you can pay one of them. 10 to 19, you can pay two of them. Or 20, you play all three. That's so awesome. yeah, just a really yeah fun, just kind of stupid, like because you never know what you're going to hit. I think one time I used this... And I hit like a swords and I hit like an Acroma's will and I hit something else. And I was like, hell yeah, this is this awesome. Well worth it. Yeah. Um, so that's it for artifacts. Next up is the enchantments. And I really, I think there's some really good enchantments in here. There are. Passionate archaeologists, one in a red. Commander creatures you control have whenever you cast a spell from exile, this creature deals damage equal to that spell's mana value to target opponent. Just a huge like... The whole deck is about exiling, so being able to like ping people for the amount of mana you're spending is really strong. Uh, bigger on the inside, another Doctor Who card. Three generic, red-green for an enchantment aura. You enchant an artifact or land. Enchantment permanent has tap. Target player adds two mana of any one color. The next spell they cast this turn has Cascade. Really strong. I mean, you you get two mana out of it, and you get to Cascade. So, like... You know, if you're if you you know, if we play a tolly, we're suddenly A getting a tolly triggers, but also cascading for seven, which is just insane. Yeah, I kinda um, like the uh the cascade sub theme that's on a lot of these cards. I whether it's cards you have in here already or I maybe some that I added will kind of give other creatures cascade as they come in and man, I love cascade. It's just fun. It's fun it's to kind of yeah. like all right everyone. Let's see what I flip into, and yeah. hopefully it's not a Sakura Tribe Builder and it's a Crater <laughs> Hoof or something like yeah. that, but it's always fun. Uh, next up is Knight of Sweets Revenge. This is three generic and a green for an enchantment. When it ETBs, you create a food token. Foods you control have tap, add green mana. So if we got the inspired statuary tapping for generic, we got this tapping for green. Helps out a lot. It then has... Five generic, green, green, sacrifice, knight of the sweet revenge. Creatures you control gets plus X, plus X until end of turn. Where X is the number of foods you control. Activate only as a sorcery. So this is like our one of our win cons. This mm-hmm. is get some creatures out on the board, get a lot of foods out, get to seven mana, sack it, get everything plus X, plus X. Hopefully they have some other form of evasion out there. Start swinging. So... Yeah, this is like one of the win cons that I really enjoy. It's also just like a really cool card. It's a very cool card. It's kind of a it does a lot. It's a card that I kind of based a lot a lot of my uh, my ads on. You know, because yeah. I was like, you know what, I want to see this pop off. So let's Fair. let's see if we can make Knights of the Sweets Revenge the best version it could be. So that's kind of <laughs> was my mindset as I was going into some of these. And the last one, I'm just going to talk about it because I pulled it while I was in New York. Is Parallel Lives uh, three generic and a green. If the effect would create one or more tokens, it could reach twice that many. So, mm-hmm. just yeah. cool card. You're on Token fire. Doubler. You pulled uh, Parallel Lives and an Ancient Copper Dragon. Yeah. Is it copper? Yeah. Ancient yeah, Copper Dragon. Yeah. Uh, Lands-wise, nothing really crazy. Um, Cavity Township. Tap for colors or pay two, a green and a white. Put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control. 
you know, just yeah. something. Want some kind of utility land. I try to have a couple here and there in every deck, so. But yeah, those are some of my favorite cards. Laz, did you have anything you wanted to talk about? Um, no, I, I was kind of calling them out as, as we were going through them there. Um, like I said, I really like Knights of the Sweets Revenge. That's just a fun way to, to kind of use the use the tokens to your advantage. Yeah. But uh, no, kind of going through here, just like I said, calling them out as we were going through and just, uh, yeah, uh, I I agree with your choices some of your choices i cut some, some of them i cut some of yeah. your mean cards some of your boring some of cards. mean cards what lots of boring right, cards Lass. i cut why don't we get to these cuts and ads you got what do you want to cover first um let's do some ads i like ads ads are fun all right so we kind of did the uh the, the same thing that we've been kind of doing where i did 10 cuts and uh 15 ads just to kind of you know give you give you some options on, on which ones you you may or may not like but i'll kind of just go through some of these um this one i'm not sure if i'm counting or not because it's not out yet so you okay. know there's there are some cards that are coming out that seem like they're gonna be really good but i didn't really want to put those in there just i don't know they're not legal yet i guess Fair, um, yeah. so the first one's coming from the clue set which that's a thing and this is Apothecary White. It's a three generic and a white legendary creature, uh, human cleric. So she has vigilance, and whenever you attack, you create a food token for each player being attacked this turn. And then you can also pay a white and tap her, and tap X untapped foods you control, create X11 white human creature tokens. So it's kind of just a way to get more treasure tokens, and then to get benefit from them you know able to just create a whole bunch of little blockers or you know just a whole bunch of little sack outlets or or whatever the case you might you know need but to tap her and pay one white mana and be able to make you know 10 of these one one human creature tokens absolutely why not and then you know you have the cards that when you make tokens you make food tokens or whenever you make tokens you make treasure tokens so seemed like a kind of a good way to get more tokens onto the field, which, like I said, was kind of my goal going through here. Figured you have the exile part already under control. Let me let me mess around with some food stuff. Yeah, um, I like this card. This card is really, really good. Cool. I mean, it's being able cool. to turn our food into tokens to just, like, help, you know, when we get that huge pump effect, mm-hmm. really strong. So, yeah, I like this one. All right. Um, next up was Displaced Dinosaurs, also from the Doctor Who set. Uh, kind of expensive. It's five generic, a green and a green for a seven-seven dinosaur. And as a historic permanent enters the battlefield under your control, it becomes a seven-seven dinosaur creature in addition to its other types. So whenever an artifact, legendary, or saga enters the battlefield, it is a seven-seven dinosaur food token or a seven-seven yeah. dinosaur treasure token, which is just insane. I, I think that's really cool that uh, you can have this and, you know, it's not even during your turn. So if you're doing things, you know, other people are casting their spells from exile and you have this out, you know, they play a land from exile. Now that you get to make a 7-7 seven, seven uh, seven, seven dinosaur food token. And uh, I think that's 
that's really cool. That's a card that I don't really know how else you'd be able to get effect like that on, on everyone else's turn. You know, it's yeah, kind of yeah. a you have to really build around that. But this kind of just e- you know easily slots into the deck that you have here. So it seemed like a simple ad. Yeah, really cool card. Definitely, definitely gonna be adding this one. Yeah. Um. Next up, which first of all, screw you, man. Screw you because for the past uh, week or two, I I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, I've been giving you a little shit about uh how many Lord of the Rings decks you have. What do you have? Five, six? I have two. Yeah, uh, two at the moment. I think you had seven and you broke them down into two or oh, three. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we gave you some crap about your Lord of the Rings love. And then you're like, all right, here's my deck. There's food token stuff in it. And then you proceed to not put, like, hardly any Lord of the Rings cards in here. So I had to do it. So you made me make you a Lord of the Rings deck <laughs> in return is pretty much what it seems like. <laughs> which I only realized after I added, like, my fifth Lord of the Rings card to this. But the one that good I added, this, there you go. they're good cards for food stuff. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Uh, so this is East Farthing Farmer. Two generic and a white. It's a 2-3 halfling peasant. And when it enters the battlefield, create a food token. When you do, target creature you control gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each food you control. So, you know, yeah, if you get this early game, there's not all that much benefit to it. But this is kind of nice because you either get it early and it's a body that gives you a food token... Or you play it late in the game and you get, you know, you get to give a creature plus one, plus one for each food token that you control, which is, you know, if everything goes well, you should have a bunch of them because you're really not going to be sacrificing them, I would think, because it's not really, it's not a life gain deck. There's not really a need to pay two and sack it to get three life. Um, Yeah, it probably wouldn't be sacking the foods. I probably would try to be storing them up for something, effect like this. Yeah, this is... Yeah, I'm assuming you're just going to have like a little pile with a D20 on it in the corner of how many food tokens you have. So this comes out fairly late in the game for three mana. You're given something, you know, plus five, plus five, plus 10, plus 10, plus 15, plus depends how many you got. So I think that's kind of a a good way to kind of sneak out some a big pump effect. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Next up is Farmer Cotton. Um, this is X, green, and a white for a halfling peasant. Says when farmer cotton, everyone's going to probably mention about how funny I say cotton because I've been told I have a slight (laughs) speech impediment type of thing when I say cotton, (laughs) button, any of those double T words. I wasn't saying anything. Mm -hmm. I'm sure people will. The internet's cruel. Uh, when Farmer Cotton enters the battlefield, create X one one white halfling creature tokens and X food tokens. So this is great just because if you're able to kind of pump this up, you know, pump up X, um, you know, or you have that card that we were reading up above where you're uh, able to use Foods your tokens to, yeah. to you know to pay for for some of these creature spells, you're gonna be able to kind of just dump a whole bunch of halfling tokens and a whole bunch of food tokens onto the battlefield at once. So that's a, that's kind of a good way to to get a bunch of them on there. 
And then, let's see, this is my last Lord of the Rings card, I swear. Um, this is Feasting Hobbit. It is one generic and a green. It has Devour Food 3. So as this enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice any number of foods. This creature enters the battlefield with three times that many 1-1 counters on it. Creatures with power less than Feasting Hobbit's power can't block it. So this is insane to just put out there, yeah. sack three foods. It comes in with nine counters on it. And now, you know, it can't be blocked by anything that is smaller than an 11-11. Yeah, damn. That is just a is just a really fun way to use some of those food tokens. I'm not even sure if that's on your list. I think that's one of the ones I had to add in. Yeah, this is if if you refresh it, it pop up. Yeah. yeah, well, it's cool and it's cheap. It's a generic and a green for a two-two. Yeah. Damn, but that devour food three is stupid. I love yeah. that. Very strong. Very strong. Let's see. Next card. Now that we're done with the Lord of the Rings creatures, I'm just making sure I'm done with all Lord of the Rings everything. Nope. Mm-hmm. There's one more Lord of the more. Rings instant. I don't count lands, but all right, whatever. Okay. Another creature is feasting troll king. This is a weird mana cost because it's two green, 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 green. So you're looking at a six mana creature. That's a seven, six vigilance and trample. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand, create three food tokens. And then at any time, you're able to sack three food tokens and return it from the graveyard to the battlefield. So this is a very large body. That once you get it out there, you'll make some food tokens. And then even once it dies, you're able to just sack three food tokens and bring it back to the battlefield. Not even back to your hand. Just back to the battlefield, you plop down a 7-6 Vigilance Trample. Um, that's a... Like I said, I was trying to find a way to get value from the food tokens. Because yeah. I, have, I have a feeling that they're going to kind of just start to stack up after a while. So you might as well, might as well make them do something. Yeah, that's fair. Speaking of which, making them do something, I also put in uh, Jahira, Friend of the Forest. So it doesn't really fit. I don't know. It didn't really fit very well with the theme, but I think it's going to help a lot. Um, It's too generic and a green for a 2-3 human elf druid, and it just has tokens you control, have tap, add green. Just nice, simple. You put this out there. All those food tokens, instead of just sitting in a pile, you're not going to be able to tap them for green. You don't have to sacrifice them or anything like that. You just tap them for green, untap on your turn. You still have them. You can still use them. But, you know, at least now they're kind of adding some value, and it allows you to cut, like, a nice, like, five or six or seven lands from your mana base, I would think. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely <laughs> be doing that. Also, I think it just helps with, like, you know, PNLR and Faldoran making, like, tokens from playing stuff from Exile. Uh, Farmer Cotton making to- tokens like it would definitely help to be able to tap them for green instead of like they're just sitting there doing nothing because they're one ones and two twos. So yeah, well yeah. one ones and two twos and food tokens sit there and do nothing. Yeah, like I said, I'm basing a lot of this off of my my disappointment with blood tokens. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> well, it's man, that's why treasure tokens are so good. It's just because it's free to sack them. You know, if, yeah. if treasure tokens were pay one, sack it, add two mana, it'd be like, man, I don't, I guess it'd still use it. It's just, I guess it'd still be good. But 
don't know. I feel like the fact that you have to pay two mana just to sack something and get three life is it's not that great. It's just not that great. But if I mean, you have a like stack of food, what? It's like paying two mana. It's like if you pay two mana to gain three life with a body, would would you do that or no? No. Even in a life oh, okay. gain deck? No. If there yeah. was a two mana creature that comes in, gain three life, and that's it, I wouldn't play it. Hmm. That's not okay. enough value. It's not really not. It's three life. Okay. Life is expensive. I mean, if there was a card that said spend three life, draw a card, I would do it like eight times every turn. <laughs> you know? Fair, fair. Uh, let's see. Another creature. I had nine creatures. Um, so I got two more. So this is Provisions Merchant. It's two generic, a green and a green. When Provisions Merchant enters the battlefield, create a food token. And whenever Provisions Merchant attacks, you may sacrifice a food. If you do, attacking creatures get plus one, plus one, and gain trample until end of turn. So it's more in there for that second effect, where um, when you have this out there, it's just a good way to give all of your stuff trample. So, yeah, this one doesn't necessarily have to go in. I just thought it was kind of a cool trample enabler. Um, Just kind of sack sack of food, give everything a counter, and some tramples. No, yeah, definitely... um pretty strong yeah Yeah. and then just the last one which i'm surprised you didn't have in here was tireless provisioner which is a just a staple in general two generic and a green it has landfall whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control create a food token or a treasure token um i thought this was cool just because it kind of has synergy with some of these other cards where you can have it make a food token which if you have the academy manufacturer out then you make one of everything else one of everything yeah and then you have, you know, Jahira that your tokens tap for mana anyway. So you don't even have to make the treasure tokens. You could be making your food tokens and still tapping them for for mana if you choose to. So Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That was it for my creatures. Some good ads here, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I I left I left five, you know, cards as wiggle room kind of between the cuts and the ads, so you know, not all these are gonna go in, but I think it gives you a little food for thought. Um, let's see. Go to sorceries. I only added one sorcery, which is Giant Opportunity, which I feel like I've never seen this card before, even though it's from, you know, regular Eldraine, um, yeah. which I bought a ton of. I just haven't noticed it. It's a sorcery. It's too generic and a green. You may sacrifice two foods. If you do, create a 7-7 seven, seven green giant creature token. Otherwise, create three food tokens. So this is kind of a good way to either pay three and get some food tokens or just sack two foods and make a big 7-7 seven, seven giant. It's yeah. uh, just a little kind of cheap little spell that can do two different things that both of which will help you out. Uh, yeah, I like the versatility because like early game, you might like really want a 7-7 seven, seven body on the field, but then like late game, it might be like, Oh hey, I want to like sack my enchantment to give everything plus X plus X for amount of food. Here's a cheap three mana, get three t- food tokens out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Yeah, that's good. All right. Next one is an instant. This is uh, the last Lord of the Rings card. That's yeah. I don't count lands. All right, fine. Yeah. It's not the last yet. This is Hobbit Sting. It's an instant for one generic and a white. Hobbit Sting deals X damage to target creature where X is the number of creatures you control 
plus the number of foods you control. So this is kind of a great way if there's a big creature out there um, to get rid of it, even if it's fairly early in the game still. This is yeah. a two-cost mana, you know, a two-mana uh, spell, and it has the potential to to deal a lot of damage, just creatures and food tokens. So you have three creatures, three food tokens. This is a two-mana deal six deal damage. Six. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of... You know, a good one that maybe you could swap in place of one of your other, uh, you know, other spells that you have in here. Maybe Path to Exile or or something like that is kind of a, a removal spell that uses your foods. Yeah, I, I really like this one. I think this is a, definitely one I'm going to end up adding. I, I've been trying to, like, do less stably cards because, like, it's just, it's just boring, you know? Yeah, but like this, like is it? The, it fits the theme of like, okay, I'm gonna have like a bunch of creatures, but also a bunch of food. Let me deal some damage to something. So I like that. I hear that one of the reasons why, like, when I first started playing Magic, I was playing Standard, and then it got to the point where it's like, well, it's only sixty cards in the deck. Yeah, sixty cards in the deck, but you're allowed to have up to four cards of each type. Yeah. And half the deck should be land, so you only have 30 cards. So it's like, it gets to the point where it's like, all right, well, I'm pretty much playing 30 lands and then nine different cards. Yeah. And it kind of feels that way now that we're building a lot more commander decks. And it's annoying to be like, all right, 100 cards, 40 of them are lands, ramp spells, mana rocks. And then you need to have at least these 15 or 20 staples in there and yeah, I yeah. like to be able to play around with as much of the deck as possible. So that's why I threw that in there. You know, get rid of Path to Exile or Beast Within. Beast Within is nice because it's a target permanent, but, you know, it just yeah. gives you another option. Let's go to Artifacts. I felt like you didn't have to do enough reading in this deck, so I made sure <laughs> to add a couple of paragraphs of a card here. And this is Thousand Moon Smithy. Two generic, a white and a white artifact. It enters the battlefield, create a white gnome soldier artifact creature token. Um, this power and toughness are equal to the number of artifacts and or creatures you control. So that's fantastic. The artifacts oh, yeah. and creatures. So you're making a huge-ass gnome soldier. And then um, at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, you may tap five untapped artifacts and or creatures you control. And if you do, you transform the card. So that stack of food tokens you have, tap five of them, and you get to transform it, and it transforms into a badass mana rock. Um, it tr transforms into an artifact land that you can tap for white, and when you cast an artifact or creature spell using mana produced by this card, you create a white gnome soldier artifact creature token with power toughness are equal to the number of artifacts and or creatures you control. So you now basically have unlimited access to be making huge creatures just by tapping this land. And there's a lot of cards that allow you to untap target artifact and, you know, your artifacts untap on other turns and, and things like that. So you can just use this to cast anything. Whenever you cast an artifact or creature spell, you know, it doesn't say how big it has to be or anything like that. So yeah, you cast this a, you know, use this to cast a one or two mana cost creature and you end up making a, uh, you know, token that's a 10-10 or something ridiculous because it's artifacts and creatures. 
Yeah, so I actually uh, pulled this from a pack of Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Okay. And I've always I've always really liked it. I don't know why I didn't think about it for this deck, because like, you are making artifacts, so you can get that secondary effect really easily. So Very easily. Yeah, and like it's going to be huge, too. It's only four cost. So, like, it's just, it's really good. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Um, let's see. This other one I'm on the fence about a little bit. This is, uh, I have two enchantments. So this one is Expedited Inheritance for a red and a red. Whenever a creature is dealt damage, its controller may exile that many cards from the top of their library. They may play those cards until the end of their next turn. So this can help you a lot because people will be playing cards from exile most likely. Yeah. But it also gives your opponents more options then. You know, if they have a creature take four or five damage... Then they get to exile top four or five cards, and you know maybe that's where they find their their board wipe or their fog or whatever it's going to take to to screw you up. But if that doesn't happen, uh, this is a real good way to get a lot of the cards out there into exile and get you know have Rocco start popping off. It's definitely a way to like thin people's deck out because like you know hypothetically you drop you play this or this is on the field you drop a blasphemous act because when it says when it says whenever a creature is dealt damage so if someone has mm-hmm. like 10 creatures on board and you play blasphemous act so each creature you would then exile 13 cards for each creature so then oh my god you're exiling your entire deck and so next turn you lose well and it's also your creatures and stuff too so if you're attacking with oh, a big yeah. body and someone blocks and you both take you know you swing with an 8-8 eight, eight and they block with you know a 5-5 five, five, then you get to exile five, they get to exile, you know, eight. Yeah. It's uh definitely yeah. a deck a card that I think like you would like maybe try and just see how it plays. And then yeah. if it doesn't work, you just check it out. So yeah. Interesting. This, yeah, see. Let's put it this way. This is not a Laz card. This is a <laughs> this is a Cody card because it looks yeah. like there's gonna be several several instances of math with this involved and uh oh, I'm yeah. out. I'm out. But, <laughs> I but like that it. I saw that one. I was like, Cody could figure this one out probably. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Last enchantment is a saga card. Just, I like sagas and I feel like no one plays them because they're not good. And I agree because I don't play them because they're not good. <laughs> you know, they're just, they're very slow, but kind of like planeswalkers. I'd like to try to, I would like to try to integrate them a little bit more. And this one really fit the bill anyway. So I threw this in. This is Welcome to Sweet Tooth. It's one generic and a green. Um, it's first uh, first step is create a 1-1 white human creature token. Bad. Second step, create a food token. Also bad. That's why <laughs> socks aren't great. But then the third one is uh, put, in, put X 1-1 counters on target creature you control, where X is 1 plus the number of foods you control. So this is something you get out there early. You get a body. You get a food token. And then if you have enough, you know, if you have enough food tokens, you can kind of really pump something up. But this one you might not have to add. This is kind of more just a, no no pun intended, but a flavor add. Hey. Uh, hey. So we won't spend much time on that. Uh, two lands, just swap out for other stuff. I have Gingerbread Cabin. Uh, you can tap it for a green. When it enters the battlefield, it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control three or more other forests. Um, if it enters the battlefield untapped, you create a food token. 
just might as well have it in there. And then the other one is the Shire, the final Lord of the Rings card added. Yeah. Uh, enters tapped unless you control a legendary creature. Then you could tap it for green, or you can pay two to tap this and tap an untapped creature you control to create a food token. So you leave it open and just kind of on some end step, you know, end step, you can just tap something and make a free food token. It's a utility land, gives you food tokens for not really all that much. So I like the Shire because, um, you know, the cold goal is getting commander out on turn three. So, like, as long as this is played after turn three, it will enter untapped. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, being able to make a food token pretty much every turn for free, with uh, not free, but for two mana is pretty good. So, yeah, yeah I like why not? that. Gingerbread Cabin, I, I like it because it's a flavor one. Um, hmm. I just, I worry that, like, you know, if you don't have those three forests out, which I do have a lot of, like, I think my mana base for this deck is pretty solid. Yeah. And, it is. like, split. So, I, I you know, I, I took out a pain land issue. for this one, to tell you the truth. Because, yeah. You know, hey, worst case scenario, it enters tapped. Like, yeah. and you don't get the food token. So it's not like, oh, my whole game plan is all thrown off because I didn't yeah. get that food food token. But you know what? You get this late in the game. doesn't mean that you're late in the game. You get this in the game once you have three, let's see, three forests, which you have a lot of, you have a lot of forests in your, uh, in your mana base already. So, all right. Cuts. I'll do cuts pretty quick because I, I didn't really cut anything too crazy, I don't think. Just to replace those two lands, I cut two pain lands just because yeah. even swap for the most part. Um, as far as creatures, I cut Beanstalk Giant, which you had in there, just because I wasn't really sure why you had him in there. He was in Faldorn. I liked mm. the, I felt like the adventure side was really nice because it's like, oh, I can go get a basic and then he's a seven mana, but like I usually play him for seven. So like he comes out as a seven seven. So that's pretty decent. Uh, but a fair cut, I think maybe just like a card that like is too slow, really. Mm-hmm. So that's fair. This is a fair cut. Okay. Dusk Legion Duelist. It's one generic and a white. Whenever one or more 1-1 one, one counters are put on Dusk Legion Duelist, draw a card. It triggers only once each turn. I hate, I hate this trend that they're doing now with these abilities triggering only once per turn. Because yeah. it's... Yeah, it's a two mana, two two vigilance. Yeah, that's good, but it doesn't matter how many one one counters are put on it or how many times it happens in a turn. You still only get to draw one card. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I felt like there's a there's better options out there, and you know, for two cost creature, uh, there's you know other other like two or three cost creatures that you can kind of put in there. Feasting Hobbit. That's a two cost creature that comes yeah, in crazy big. With, <laughs> with what I was thinking tokens. of swapping it with. So I think, that, yeah, it's a, an even trade there. So that's fair. Uh, let's see. I have Cami of the Whispered Hopes. Two generic and a green. If one or more 1 1 counters would be put on a permanent, that many plus 1 1, uh, plus one, one, one counters are put on that permanent instead. And then you could tap it for X, where X is its power. I understand why you put it in there. It's kind of a. Uh, Parallel lot, yeah. Parallel lives or doubling season, whichever one. I get them all confused. Uh, like a hardened scales kind of hardened yeah. scales. There we go. One of those green staples. It's pretty much that on a creature, but 
the point of the deck's not really one one counters and yeah it's it's just a fact it's just like a like i wasn't trying to like the food is the main payoff from playing stuff from exile mm-hmm. but like the one one counters i think are just nice to put on this because it, you can tap it for mana and i think yeah. it would add up to a lot of mana so well that's if you put the one one counters on this you know it doesn't say yeah. you have to put it on this on this permanent you could be putting those elsewhere so it only ever really tap yeah. for one yeah hey like i said keep it in if you want i just i was like yeah it didn't really fit the bill i was going more food tokens than one one counters personally That's her. yeah yeah um let's see final creature was pia nilar which i know you said you liked but i cut her just because uh Doctors you control have haste. Whenever you play a land from exile or cast a spell from exile, create a 1 1 colorless Thopter creature with flying. The flying does not win games. It definitely flying wins, wins games. games against unoptimized decks. That's what oh, I think. Throwing shade. I can't believe you. Uh, no, nah, I, I don't think there's. I don't think there's a need for this. I don't know if you're ever going to have an effective enough army of 1-1 hasty thopters to really make that much of a difference. Hey, keep it in there if you'd like. It's a two-mana creature, so it's not like it's crazy expensive or taking up that much space, but I don't know. I think you could do better. It's a card that I like a lot, so I think I might end up keeping it. Um, and when I kill you with thopters one day, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll call I it will- this moment. Make a note, and I will go on the podcast, and I will open it talking about how scary Thopters are. <laughs> Thopters are fucking terrifying. Instance, I got rid of Bolt Bend. <laughs> Just, Can't I, believe you. There's better cards, man. That's right. Deflecting Swat. That's, I don't know. It's expensive. Not, deflecting Swat? Not Deflecting yeah. Swat. Sorry. Uh, def, what's the one I said before? Deflecting Palm? Oh, deflecting palm. palm. Okay, that one's not bad. That's a decent trade-off. Yeah, and it's cheap. That's a cheap card. There was Rampage of the Clans. <laughs> this is this is a risky one you put in there. Yeah. Three generic and a green. Destroy all artifacts and enchantments. For each permanent destroyed this way, its controller creates a 3-3 green centaur creature token. So this is a very good way to get rid of all your food tokens. <laughs> And turn them into three threes. Yeah, make them into an army of three threes. Okay, but it does the same thing for everyone else. So if other people yeah. have artifacts and treasure tokens or, I don't know, maybe this whole food token thing really takes EDH by storm and playing against three <laughs> other food token decks at the table. The, um, blood, the blood token deck is going right. to thrive off this. No, nah, it just seemed a little too risky to destroy all, art- if it was all artifacts enchantments your opponents control. Absolutely. I think this card like suffers because in my head I'm like, you know, what I like is those two blue cards, uh, Cyber Drive Awakener and Rise and Shine, which makes your artifacts into like four fours and they fly mm. and stuff. That's what I was trying to get with this card, but yeah, in the end, this is a little too risky to, well, to even get the win. In my head, I was like, oh, you cast this on an instep, your ten food tokens become three threes. You play a pump spell, and now you have an army to send at someone, but. Four mana, instant, a little risky, hand also could benefit someone else with a little too much. So, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. It's a decent cut. Uh, let's see. Enchantment. I got rid of Bitter Reunion. And does Battlefield discard a card if you do draw two cards? Um, or you can sack it and give your creatures haste. I don't really know if uh, haste is going to be an issue in this deck because it's not really creatures swinging. Like, I don't know. It's You're buffing your creatures to, to deal damage. So I feel like it's not 
You don't yeah. need haste to do that. This this is a card that was in Faldorn, and I I do like it because it's like a it is a draw card, but also I like the idea that like you know let's say you drop an Atali, you pay one extra mana, and suddenly Atali also has haste, so now you're swinging with a seven seven like things like that, or like it worked out really well in Faldorn all the time because I had to make like an army of wolves on my turn and then turn around and give them haste and swing the army, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, maybe maybe a card to look at cutting. Um, Unless you want to give all your Thopters haste. No, nope, they already have haste because of PNLR. Look at that. Yeah. So it's just redundant. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it might be, might be worth a cut. Cut Felwar Stone. I just I don't really think it's necessary. It's just three-colored deck, plus you make treasure tokens, plus you have like a good mana. I don't know. I don't see the need for it. I hate mana rocks too, but I'm bad at magic, so... Who's to tell? Who's to say? Then the final cut. This one hurts. This one hurts me near and dear to my heart, but I'm cutting it for the same exact reason, and that's a Chromatic Lantern. So, uh, yeah. Lands of Control are colors. They're all colors. But I don't really think this deck needs it. I think some decks need it. Trust me. Yeah. I think in, like, Mardu and stuff like that, it's a... you know, you kind of really need Chromatic Lantern, I think. But this deck, you're you're making tokens. And you have green, so you have your ramp. You have stuff like that. I don't really think Chromatic Lantern's as necessary in this deck. So, uh... Yeah, I'd agree. I think you cut it. Yeah, I think this is definitely just like one of those, like, I'm afraid of three-color, but, like... Playtest in this deck, like I, I, I felt like I was always hitting my land drop. I always just ramping. I was getting treasure tokens from Academy Manufacturer. Like, I, yeah, I, I think this is an easy cut. But that's it. Those are my cuts. Those are my ads. I like, I like a lot of the ads. Uh, some of the cuts I can agree with. You know, PNLR is gonna, root, you're gonna rue the day. You, you start a vendetta with her. All right. Uh, hey, I can't wait to see all your thopters in this food token deck. Don't you wait. Don't you wait. But I like this deck. I think it's going to be fun. I can't wait to play against it. I want to see how it does. Because I I tried the food deck once. It was okay. I was doing it more for life gain. But I think I finished the game without cracking more than like three or four food tokens. (laughs) It's just it didn't really depend on it. So I like the idea of a deck that makes a bunch of tokens that it's only using for like the namesake kind of you know you're not you're not cracking and using them how they're supposed to be used so i think that's kind of a fun twist on it bless we have to answer the question should i say brew it or screw it i say brew it that's what i think what do you think it's not my deck i also say Brute. Do you? All yeah, right. I yeah, I'm like super like um so I talked to Laz about this the other day. Like I like past like two weeks I've just been in this weird funk where like, like outside of the Volo deck that I, I, I brewed and bought, I like feel like everything I've been working on lately has been shit. Like I haven't enjoyed the decks I've been playing. Um like Raphael did bad and I was like, should I change Raphael up? Should I put like Rakdos at like should I put a demon at the start of it? Faldorn, like I told you, like I was like, I, I feel like what I like, the, there's two, like it's going down two paths, and like I really need to like lean into one or the other. Mm-hmm. And this is leaning into that exile 
but like getting a payoff in food versus a payoff in two two wolves that two two wolf doesn't do very much in the long run. It does if you have a wolf tribal deck and a wolf tribal yeah. commander and and stuff like that. But that's not what Faldorn was. Faldorn was play stuff from yeah. exile. Get the wolves are a payoff, but like I couldn't really outside of just making an army of two twos. It wasn't really doing very much. And so, and I like. I like Rocco as a card. Like, it's just super cool. It's got a little bit of that group hug- hugginess that I talked about, where it's like, it's like, okay, other people are, you know, getting to see more of their decks. Um, but then I just get the benefit out of it. So, like, you know, it's, it's nice. I think as you put it, it's a, a great way to play an Exile deck. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not as mean as other Exile decks are. Well, I, I, think, it, I think it works well, too, because... I know um, you weren't happy with like Feldorn's performance, but I know that you really enjoyed playing that deck. That you were yeah. constantly wanting to to play it, just because you really liked the exiling effect of it. That's kind of more of what you were pay- playing it for. So this, you you get to keep it. You're doing the same exact thing, except instead of wolves, it's food tokens. And I think in this in this build how it is you're able to do a lot more with the food tokens than you were able to do with those wolves you know if we if we looked at Feldorn and added some more anthem effects and tribal effects and and other wolves and stuff like that then yeah we could we could definitely help it out but uh then you kind of would have to take away from your exiling effects whereas this one yeah. i feel like you didn't have to compromise as much so no yeah I think this I think this would be a good deck for you. I think you'll really enjoy playing it, so I hope you build it. Oh, yeah. I think I am uh, going to be ordering the cards. So I got a little bit of that card Kingdom Credit left, so Ooh. might finish up. I think I'll put this together. I think I own a lot of these cards, though, so it's like I'm not really going to be buying too yep. much. So Half of it's in Feldorn, so. Hey, half of it's Feldorn, half of it's in Lord of the Rings. You did it to yourself. You I did it to myself, no. Um... So yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a cool deck. That's going to do it for this month's episode of Brewer Screw It. Rocco the Street Chef. Or the menu. Rocco, the I menu. Guess, I guess I have to go see the menu now. Yeah, you and Kim should watch it. Alone. Not with children. <laughs> <laughs> and just be warned that it gets fucking crazy. Alright, cool. Um, well, yeah. We just finished the bullshit that was season four of True Detective, so oh, we're, I've heard. we're looking for something. Yeah, I heard there was... No spoilers, but shit sucked. Don't waste your time if you didn't start it yet. Oh, okay. (laughs) Good to know. All right. Well, if you have a Rocco Street Chef deck, you can reach out to us on Twitter at BrewerToScrewIt, Instagram, BrewerToScrewItMTG. You can join the Facebook group by searching up BrewerToScrewIt. You can follow us as well on YouTube and TikTok as we go down that journey. You'll find the the links in the description below. You can follow the Moxfield account. So it'll also be in the links below. Mm -hmm. We actually had a couple of new followers to the account, so thank you all for that. That's good. You get to see see all of our bad personal decks. It's more so on my (laughs) my folders. (laughs) But now you get to poke around and look at some of the fun stuff that we built. And, man, if... Depending on if I click the wrong buttons or not, you might even get to see some work in progress yeah. <laughs> decks too, or some future brews. So, it's good stuff on there. If you want to support us monetarily, we do have a merch store at Teespring. Uh, the link for that will also be below. Uh, we have a new shirt up there with the new logo. Uh, any 
help you can do with that. We appreciate it a ton. But if you can't support us monetarily, just, you know, following, sharing, subscribing, leaving five-star reviews, things like that, go a really long way to get the podcast out there to more ears. Um, the support so far has been amazing. We talk about it all the time. But thank you all. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Just uh, everyone, everyone's so helpful and so nice and get suggestions and numbers keep growing. So really appreciate it. Appreciate people who tell other people to, to listen in and, and things like that. So that's kind of what's more important is just getting people listen, getting people to, to, I don't know, give some feedback or some interaction. And that's, uh, that's the stuff that we like to see. So really appreciate it, everybody. Yeah. And if you have that feedback, you can send it to us at birderscrewit at gmail.com. Well, as that's going to do it for this episode. And until next time. Should we say brew it? Or screw it. It's a brew. Absolutely. Bye, everybody.